Josh comes up to uh, give us the, um, the fifth lesson in this uh, series on the Beatitudes from Matthew 5. Uh, please listen to the word of the Lord. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Uh, so I, I usually know months in advance uh, what I'm going to be preaching, and I knew I had eight weeks from the beginning of August until August, October 2nd to do a, a sermon series or something else we're doing in October, uh, and I knew I had eight weeks to cover the Beatitudes, so I was just going to walk through them, like what we're doing, not realizing that September 11th, like was what was mentioned earlier, this is the third... Sunday that falls on September 11th since 9-11 of 2001, that the text for this morning would be the words of Jesus, or blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And there are sometimes I sit back and I'm like, okay, God, what do you want to do here? Because I just don't want to get in the way of it. So we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to be uh, merciful people. Now, back in elementary school where I was, we played a game called Mercy sometimes. I got on the playground and how the game of mercy would go is you stand like shoulder to shoulder, you're facing someone, you intertwine your fingers so you, your hands are locked, and then you attempt to uh, bend the other person's wrists backwards, you know, or, or, you know, do whatever you'd have to do. Like just find str- your inner strength until that other person cries mercy. Now you can play games like this with your legs, I've heard some of you do it with your feet, there are different ways to do this. Now we had a girl at our school who started beating every girl in the fifth grade, and not just all the girls, she started beating all the guys too. Her name was Melissa, and she happened to be my girlfriend in fifth grade. And she was a tiny little thing, but she, was, she had this fire inside of her when it came to playing the game of mercy. So she was beating everyone, and then all the other kids were like, well, you haven't played Josh yet. Josh, you should play her. And I'm like, I was taught to never wrestle with a woman, all right? You don't fight them. You don't wrestle with them. And then Melissa looked at me and said, are you chicken? Now, there are two things. <clears throat> There are two things that can cause me to engage in any kind of you know, form of conflict. One, you talk about my mom. Two, you call me chicken. So I decided to play Melissa, my girlfriend, in front of all our other friends and classmates in a game of mercy. Now, I don't think it's important for you to know who won or lost that day. <clears throat> Because I was raised to know that it's not how you, it's not if you win or lose, it's how you play the game, all right? It's the attitude and how you come back from a defeat to find your dignity and keep moving on, all right? Now, have you ever used the phrase, no mercy to someone? 
Because I, some of you are the kindest people I've ever been around in my life, but I've played Monopoly with some of you people. I've played cards with some of you. And you, like, there's no fruit of the Spirit when some of you choose to play some of these games. And there's no mercy. Some of you have engaged in sporting events before where it's like, man, no mercy. You know, we're going to destroy them. Yeah, Jesus comes saying something this morning that I think we need to dig a little into. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. This is like the first beatitude of all that Doyle read earlier that makes you think, okay, what's the opposite of that? So if I don't show mercy, then what does that mean for me? Does that mean that God's not going to show mercy to me? So uh, let me me talk just for a moment about mercy. I want to give you kind of a biblical overview of mercy and talk about what this means for our lives, all right? So uh, there are going to be four things on the screen that give you biblical definitions of what mercy, what it means. Uh, So write these down. Feel free to take a picture. There are four of them. The first one is this. Here's what mercy is. Mercy, um, and and these are all biblical definitions. So from Hebrew, from English. Mercy is being concerned about people in in their time of need. And I think that whole definition is really important. So it's not just that you have concern for people. It's that you have a concern for people in their need. Mercy is so much more than pity. Mercy is more than feeling sorry for someone. I use the word mercy a lot. If I'm on the phone with someone and and I hear that something happened to someone's body or someone is suffering or they're mourning, a lot of times all that can come out of me is, man, mercy. You know, God have mercy. And and, and I mean it from the depth of who I am, but I want that to be more than pity or more more than feeling sorry for someone. So mercy is being concerned for someone in their time of need. So look at what this means on God's part. Because when God looked down upon humanity and saw that humans were in desperate need of being saved because they were separated from God because of their sin, God did not just start shouting things down to humanity saying, uh, love each other better. Uh, get along a little more. Quit worshiping your idols. When the plan of salvation entered into the world, God said, look, I'm not just concerned about them. We're going to become them. We're going to step into their need. And Jesus becomes the ultimate definition of mercy, who breathe and walk. Mercy, the second definition, mercy is not just forgiveness. Sometimes when we think mercy, what we want from other people is we want people to have mercy on us. We want them to forgive us. Can you think of a time in your life when you were in desperate need of someone showing you mercy? The principal called you into an office, right? Um, you had a rent was due and it just, you needed someone to have mercy for a few days because you didn't have the money. A bill needed to be paid sometime in your life. I bet most of you, if not all of us, could think of a time when we desperately needed some mercy from God. Mercy is not just forgiveness. Mercy is also compassion. So it's not just you forgiving someone. It's what does it mean for us to become compassionate people? The third thing about mercy is mercy is not just an attitude, mercy is action. It's not that you wake up and choose to have a merciful attitude towards other people, it's action. I think this is so important because mercy isn't lip service. It's not just things you speak. It's how you embody what it means to be a person who's going to extend mercy. The fourth thing, and I love this definition, so if you haven't written down any of them, I want you to write this one down. Uh, The fourth one, and we see this fully embodied in Jesus, is mercy is, it's being generous in deeds of deliverance. And I really like that one. If you go and read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, especially Matthew, Mark, and Luke, 
whenever people, a lot of times when people wanted to be healed, so they're blind or they're lame or they have a, a child who was demon-possessed. When they came before Jesus, what they would say is, uh, Son of David or Lord, have mercy on us. Have mercy on someone. Being, a, being merciful, being a person of mercy is that you are generous in deeds of deliverance. Now, Jesus talked a lot about mercy. You can go to something like BibleGateway.com, type in mercy, and see all the times the Bible talks about mercy and Jesus talked about mercy. Two different times in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus makes this statement, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. It's not your worship services that please the heart of God. It's having mercy in your life, being able to receive it, being someone who dispenses it, that blesses and pleases the heart of God. In Luke chapter 10, one of the most well-known parables Jesus told about the Good Samaritan, when it came time for them to ask, where Jesus asked, who is my neighbor? The, the answer was the one who showed mercy. In Luke chapter 6, verse 36, Jesus says this. He says, be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. So mercy is one of our most faithful attempts to imitate the heart of God. So when it comes to seeing mercy throughout all of Scripture, it's not just something you watch God do. Mercy is something that God does in you, and now God wants you to do for and with other people. And with God, you never know where mercy is going to fall. And wherever it falls, the church is supposed to run into that place. You know where the first mention of mercy is in Scripture? Because sometimes mercy shows up in the most unlikely places. The first mention of mercy in Scripture is in Genesis chapter 19. It's when God's about to destroy Sodom. And it's there that the mercy of God fell upon a few people who lived in Sodom. Now, in the days of Jesus, Rome didn't like mercy. This wasn't a value. It wasn't a virtue. It wasn't something that they wanted to practice. Because for Rome, and this is so true for many of us today too. It's why we struggle with mercy. Because sometimes the thinking is, well, if I show too much mercy, people are going to become soft. Or why should I extend something to people who do not deserve it? And there are times I've thought that. I'm like, God, th that person right there doesn't deserve mercy. And I think God's looking at me saying, do you think you deserve mercy? Uh, and, and Rome, just like sometimes we can think too, you know, if we extend mercy to certain people, what if they take advantage of what mercy really means? But Jesus did things different than Rome did things. And Jesus lifts up mercy as this ideal, this fundamental value in the kingdom of God. And the way Jesus talks about mercy is he makes it really clear that not only does God show mercy, but God is looking after the lives of those who are showing mercy too. Uh, so I came across a story a while back about uh, a governor uh, in one of the states here in the U.S. He was elected governor in 2002. A conservative man ran a conservative campaign. In fact, he, he uh, won the Friend of Taxpayers Award several times before becoming governor. But when he became governor, he noticed that the tax code in his state had not changed since 1901. That since 1901, the richest in that state paid 3% of their income taxes, while the poorest paid 12%. And he noticed how the schools were underfunded and that the poor in many ways were crippled in that state. So he wanted to do something about it. And he started talking to people about Christian values. And he proposed a tax hike 
among the middle and high income households. And his proposal was defeated by the Christian coalition in that state. And here's what they said, and here's why I tell this whole story. What they said to him and to others was this. You'll find that most Christians in this state have a charitable heart. They just don't want it coming out of their wallets. They said, you'll find that most Christians in this state have merciful hearts. They just don't want it coming out of their pockets. And I don't share that story as a commentary on taxes, and I'm not the person who needs to stand in front of people talking about decisions that are made in the government, and I'm not telling this story, and I just admit, I mean, there are nuances and complexities that I'm probably not even aware of. But that statement really hit me. Because I think there are a lot of Christians who love the idea of mercy. But living mercy is one of the most difficult things we get to do in our lives. Mercy's hard. Mercy's hard to receive. I'm, I'm a part of a couple of organizations where every once in a while we get these anonymous donations. And we are um, empowered to find people in need. And there are people who've given money to, to give to people in need. So I... Uh, there have been a number of times where I've handed $1,000 checks to people in need where they, they had no clue it was coming. And do you know how many times those people open the check and they look at it and they say, someone else needs this more than I do? Because one of the things with how God extends mercy and God gives mercy is that you've got to open your hands and be able to receive the gift that comes from the Lord or the gift that comes from other people. Mercy is hard to receive because we often don't deserve it, but I think mercy is even harder to give to other people. Celebrate Recovery teaches me uh, this quite a bit. We have Celebrate Recovery. They meet here on Tuesday nights. I was hanging out with them this past Tuesday night. And sometimes I'm in conversations with people, not, not just in Memphis, I'm in conversations with people all over the nation about recovery programs. And sometimes what I hear from other people is, I don't go to recovery programs because those are a bunch of weirdos. And the people who go to recovery programs are weirdos with issues. That's why I don't go. And I'm like, why don't you spend 10 seconds tonight looking in the mirror and you're going to come away thinking, I'm the weirdo who has issues. Because it's so true. But something Celebrate Recovery teaches me is that it is a place where people are learning to receive mercy and to dispense mercy. When I was up there teaching this past Tuesday night, what I uh, was given to teach on was about forgiveness. So if you're in Celebrate Recovery, every eight or nine weeks or uh, every couple of months, you're going to hear some kind of message on you being able to receive forgiveness from God and the same way God releases you from your stuff, you were called to go and help release other people from their stuff. The people in the Bible who struggled the hardest with mercy were the people who knew the Bible the best. Because this is something Jesus would challenge Pharisees on because he would, he would call them on. Because Pharisees weren't able to give mercy because the Pharisees did not understand how much they needed mercy. And some of us, uh, some of you uh, may remember uh, Bill Nye, the science guy. I think he's still around doing some stuff. Did any of you watch this show growing up? Uh, Bill Nye uh, was actually a, a guest speaker at USC. Not too long ago, he was in this class in front of a lecture hall giving a speech. And while he was giving this speech, he passed out. And it wasn't like a heart attack. He just passed out. And do you know what the students did? Because the students, I mean, it was like 
do? Bill Nye was here and he's speaking and now he passed out. And in their attempt to do something, they did do something. Almost every student participated in trying to do something. And what they did is they immediately started text messaging people and tweeting out, pray for Bill Nye and changing their Facebook status. Because sociologists, what they call this is digital passivity. And what's going on in a lot of places now is we think we're being merciful because we tweet or we post something that we think will change a life. Yet our life isn't doing anything to change a life. When Jesus promises that the merciful will be shown mercy, this isn't karma that Jesus is offering up to us. The reason that you need to live a merciful life isn't just so God will be merciful to you. The merciful action isn't just to make God notice It's to imitate God. That how God dispenses mercy, so do we. Mercy is risky. I just wrote down words. Mercy is inconvenient. It's sacrificial. It's expensive. It's sometimes dangerous. When it comes to my life and when it comes to the life of this church, I I think it's impossible for us to get ahead of the mercy of God. But wherever God decides to drop mercy, we should be there. And it's impossible to get ahead of the mercy of God. I just don't want to be far behind wherever the mercy of God is falling. I want eyes to see it. I want to be able to go. When James talks about mercy in James chapter 2, what he says is mercy triumphs over judgment. And in light of events like 9-11 and so much evil spreading throughout the world, it's so easy for us to want judgment to triumph over mercy. Instead of believing that mercy can still triumph over judgment. In Luke 18, there are two people who come into the presence of Jesus. They go to a temple and they pray. And one is a Pharisee who knew how to pray. And the Pharisee had a lot of words. And the Pharisee prayed something like this, God, thank you so much that I'm not like them. And the tax collector, this sinner, came into the presence of God And all they could pray is, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Will you close your eyes just for a moment? If you will, uh, we do this every once in a while. Will you just clear out your, take stuff off your lap. And if you will, take your palms and put them palms down on your lap. With palms down, eyes closed, uh, heads bowed, I just want you, to, I want you to pray and reflect just for a moment of, are there any obstacles you can define in your life today keeping you from receiving the fullness of the mercy of God? And as you just lay your hands before the Lord, can you just ask for God's mercy? Uh, to grow and to bear great fruit in your life. And just pray to God, ask him that wherever the enemy, wherever Satan is attempting to keep mercy from flowing into you, that God will do away with those obstacles right now.
Will you turn your palms over, palms up? And will you ask God to fill you with mercy and also ask God to help you see maybe one place or one person where mercy needs to be dispensed this week? For God, uh, I am convinced that uh, we don't just come in this room to worship you on a Sunday and uh, that it means nothing on Monday. So God, as we prepare uh, to leave this place, to enter into just the grind of everyday life, press on us the power and the beauty of mercy. And may it not just flow out of us in a way where we are empty. May it just be this overflow that we can experience your mercy this week in ways that maybe we haven't in a number of years and that it can flow from us into other people for the sake of the world. May we take great delight today in mercy triumphing over judgment. And I pray this in the power of the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to ask our uh, leaders... And our prayer leaders, if you will, go to your places to receive people for prayer today. If there's someone who's never given their life over to Jesus, you've never been baptized into Christ, we invite you today to make the greatest decision you would ever make in your life. If there's something you want to bring in front of this church, my friend Jim Berryman's over here to my right, and we invite you up here to my right, to your left, where we can pray over that as a church. I see Fawn Bauer over here to my left. If there's especially a woman who is in need of, maybe you were convicted by something that has happened in this worship service. I invite you to go and uh, meet with Fawn, and we have some elders in the back to receive you too. Patrick, can you and Joe separate just a little bit? Um, Let's stand together. Uh, Let's sing a couple of songs. Feel free to find somewhere to pray.